Last week we talked about how important it is if we're going to make the most of 2020, we better see God clearly and all the things that he has in store for us. But we also need to make sure that we see ourselves clearly. In fact, inside your bulletin you'll find an outline here, and that's where I'm going today, and you can follow along on our CenterPoint app as well. But point A on your outline simply says, to make the most of this year, I need to see myself clearly. If I don't see myself clearly, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes, and so will you. Okay? Because we can misinterpret things. So many things in our society tell us, hey, I am defined by my achievements. I am defined by my possessions. I'm defined by my appearance. I'm defined by my past. And if we allow ourselves to be defined like that and we are, see ourselves as just the sum total of our appearance, our achievements, or what other people think about us, oh, man, that's going to lead us into a ditch right away. Because if I'm defined by what you think of me, well, then I don't want to offend you or ruffle your feathers, so I'm not going to do things because it might be controversial, even if it's right. If I'm defined by my past, well, maybe I had a good past, and that would encourage me to go forward, but maybe I had a lot of failures in the past, and then I'm not going to try anything. But what if I saw myself as I really am? Well, how, what is that like? Well, that's why we're going to look at a, some scripture from Romans chapter 8, where the, Paul, where the Apostle Paul tells us how God thinks of us. And it's terribly important that we get this right. I remember when I was um, uh, in seminary in a preaching class, we would have to present a sermon to the whole class. Everybody took their turn, and we'd give sermons, and then people would evaluate us on, you know, on how well we prepared and did the sermon make sense and how our presentation skills and all these things. We got a lot of constructive feedback. The messages were each videotaped, too, and then we had to evaluate ourselves. And the professor who was teaching the preaching class, it was so interesting, at the end of the class, the professor said, you know, y'all, I want you to learn a lesson from this. Because he would get all the uh, evaluations that we turned in for each other and then our own evaluations. And everybody's evaluations from the class were overall pretty positive and very encouraging. But our evaluations of ourselves were way down here. And the reason I want to go over this today is, there may be some of us in here who have an overinflated image of ourselves and think we're perfect. Uh, that's not most of us. Most of us, we're our own worst critics. Does anybody know what I'm talking about here? Oh, yeah. We routinely, we routinely beat up ourselves, rehearse all the things we've done wrong. And if there's ten things we've done right and one negative criticism, that one is what we're going to focus on the whole year. Not this year. Not this year. This year I'm going to see myself the way God sees me. And that's what we're talking about today. Prepare to be encouraged. Heavenly Father, I pray that today you will encourage me and everyone in the sound of my voice as we look at the scripture together. Father, what Paul wrote in Romans 8. If we don't get this right, well, then, Lord, we're going to be off on the wrong foot from day one. But in 2020, Lord, I want to have 2020 vision. I want to have crystal clear vision of who I am and who you made me to be. So, Lord, I pray that you will speak and move me out of the way and help us see ourselves clearly. In the name of Jesus, amen. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. 
So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. In the margin next to that, you can just write Dad. For his spirit joins with our spirits to, aff- to affirm that we are God's children. Paul says that when you and I come into a relationship with Christ, when we become Christians, surrender our lives to the Lord, he adopts us into his own family and we become his children. And we have a relationship with God himself, the God of heaven, that is so close and so intimate we could call God Dad. And that's what my kids call me. They pick up the phone and go, hey, Dad. And I love it when they call. Our Heavenly Father loves it when you and I talk to him. And that's because he's adopted us and we are his children. So first of all, I need to embrace that I'm a child of God. Can we say that together, please? I am a child of God. Now, if you're going, well, I'm not sure what that means. Well, I want to unpack it with four terribly important characteristics here. First of all, I am dearly loved by God. The Bible tells you and me that we, God chose us to adopt us into his family. I am dearly loved by God. Would you say that together with me, please? I am dearly loved by God. Ephesians 1. The Apostle Paul said, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. It's what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Imagine how that would change my whole year if I actually believed that. There are so many times when I'm convinced that I'm a failure, I'm convinced that I'm worthless. The devil would love to remind me of everything I've ever messed up in my whole life, and I'm convinced that God could choose a thousand other people who'd be much better suited at anything he wanted to accomplish than if he chose me. Just like in that preaching class, I would, other people would be focusing on the content of my message and the illustrations I'm using. I'm focused on the fact that my collar wasn't straight. And that's the way we do. We're always focused on the things that are wrong, and there are times when we go, God doesn't love me. I mean, he might love other people, but he doesn't love me. I'm worthless. I'm terrible. And what would it mean to us if we focused on the fact that we were chosen my brother is four years older than I am, and there were times when he'd be with friends, he'd invite friends over, and they're playing football and other things, and they have to choose teams, and they'd need one other player, and I was four years younger. Guess who got chosen last? Yeah. That'll make you feel good. Who wants the runt? Mm. And too often, that's what we think God does. Well, got to use you, I guess. And we believe these things about ourselves, that we're some kind of coal or some kind of leftover, well, okay, maybe God will tolerate me. But nothing could be further from the truth. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ Jesus to be holy and without fault in his eyes. This is what he wanted to do. I am dearly loved by God. Would you say that with me again? I am dearly loved by God. You and I are going to get this right this year and have a good, clear understanding of who we are. We've got to start there. Secondly, I am forgiven. I am forgiven. 
All who come to Christ are forgiven. When Jesus came to die on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins, all of them, all of them. Listen to a couple of scriptures. I'm going to read you a passage from Acts 13 and Psalm 103 and Isaiah 43. I'm just going to read them back to back to back. Listen. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there's forgiveness of your sins. He's removed all our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. I will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Okay, at 8 o'clock, I got a free hallelujah out of all that. Okay, can I get one here? Okay, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't count now because I had to ask for it, okay? I mean, how great is that? I am forgiven. Do you know that some of us have already done this this year? Here we are at the brand new year in 2020, and we're dredging up all the junk that we messed up last year, and we're already using that to disqualify us for the things God has for us this next year. Because we don't believe God really forgave us, and we certainly haven't forgiven ourselves. I can't be the only one who struggles with this. And that's why these scriptures are true. I'm going to read all three of them again, and you better be ready to say hallelujah. Okay? (laughs) Brothers, listen. We're here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. I will blot out your sins for my own sake, and I will never think of them again. Can you imagine? If we saw ourselves as forgiven, washed clean. What a difference that would make. Not defined by our past. Not defined by what other people think of us. Not defined by shame. Forgiven. Man. This is who I am. It's who you are. You need to see yourself clearly. Hmm. Point three, I am secure. My relationship with God is because of his grace, not my performance. I mean, it's true. God saved you by his grace. That's undeserved kindness, by the way. You didn't deserve it at all. God saved you by his undeserved kindness when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. I can't boast about it. I also don't have to worry that I've done enough to earn it. You didn't. I mean, I have conversations like I had, a conversation I had the other day, I have these Three, four times a year. It happened just the other day again. Went to see someone who is in hospice care who doesn't have long to live in this world. And the family asked me if I would go and see this person. And so I sat down with them and talked about end-of-life issues, talked about facing death. Sure, glad to go. Went to his house. We sat down and talked. I said, what do you want to talk about? And he said, well, I like to talk about dying and facing death and other things. I go, okay. And I go, well, what do you... Where do you want to start the discussion? And the person said, well, I just want to make sure that I've done enough to go to heaven when I die. And I said, well, good. That's a good place to start. Let me assure you, you have not. You have completely failed, okay? You've missed by a 1,000 miles. And he goes, well, how do you know? And I go, because we all have. 
I mean, the whole idea of coming to Christ is, is not that I hope I've done enough that God will reward me with heaven when I die. I'm coming to Christ because I'm a filthy, rotten sinner who has no hope of salvation except that Jesus paid the penalty in full on the cross. That's why we went over the forgiveness thing. And I can be secure in this. I didn't earn it, so I don't have to perform to keep it. I come to Christ because I need a Savior. When God adopts us, it's the same as a, a couple from America going and adopting a child from another country who's an orphan, who hasn't had proper medical care, hasn't had proper nutrition, hasn't had any education, has all kinds of bad habits, may even have a criminal record. And this child is adopted precisely because he needs rescue. He needs saving. And so his parents bring him back. They didn't adopt him because he was perfect. They adopted him because he needed rescue. And as they raise the child, the child goes, well, if I mess up, are you going to send me back? And they go, we will never send you back. We love you. We adopted you into our family. It wasn't about your performance. It's about you. We love you. Now, imagine if I could embrace that. That's why Paul said, we are not cowering slaves hoping we've done enough so the master won't boot us out of the family every time we mess up. That's not who we are. We're adopted children and we call him dad. I am not defined by my past. I'm defined by my heavenly father who loves me. And so are you. Let that sink in. That's seeing myself clearly this year. I am secure. Can we say that together? I am secure. Not because of what I did for Jesus, but because of what Jesus did for me. Mm, listen to Jesus talk about this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me. And he's more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. No one. Can you imagine how much courage I could have this year then? Well, what if I mess up? Well, then I run to my Heavenly Father. He forgives me. I'm dearly loved. And He'll show me what to do. Oh, well, then I don't need to be afraid to try. I don't need to be afraid to step out on faith. No, you do not. Because now you're seeing yourself clearly. This is a game changer. Fourthly, <laughs> I have a new life, not just a fresh start. I mean, think if God forgave our sins, brought us into his family, adopted us, and said, Now, I've adopted you, we're hitting reset, but as of January 1, 2020, the clock starts over again. Now don't ever mess up. Good luck. Well, we still couldn't do it. We still couldn't do it because we hadn't changed from the inside yet. But here's what's so great. When you and I come to Christ, not only does the Lord promise to forgive our sins, Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare everything in heaven for you. And while I'm gone, I'm going to ask our Heavenly Father to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will be in you and he will transform you from the inside out. A few more verses from Romans 8. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. 
And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he'll give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Let's read that highlighted phrase together, please. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you'll die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. God adopts me into his family, forgives all my sins, assures me that I'm secure. And he said, I'm even going to place my Holy Spirit inside you so you'll have the power and the desire to do what pleases me. I'm going to change you. And for the first time in your life, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be able to obey. You're going to be able to pray. You're going to be able to lead. You're going to overcome your fears. You're going to overcome your addictions. You're going to be able to forgive through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's who I am. I have a new life. Would you say that together with me, please? I have a new life. Now think if I'm going into 2020 now. I'm secure. I don't need to worry about God booting me out of the family. I'm forgiven. I'm not defined by my past. I'm dearly loved. I'm not worthless trash. I have the Holy Spirit living in me, and he's going to empower me. I have a new life. We're getting closer to free hallelujahs. It's getting good. (laughs) I am telling you, this could be the best year ever if we see ourselves clearly. So I'm a child of God. But there's another point here in Romans 8. I'm also a co-heir with Christ. Point two in your outline. Romans 8, 17. And since we're his children, I mean, we're adopted into his family, calling him dad, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we're to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. I mean, if I see myself clearly, I see myself as an adopted child of God who's forgiven, who's empowered, who's secure and dearly loved. And I also see myself as Jesus' brother or Jesus' sister. Like he's my big brother. That's what Paul says. Co-heirs with Jesus. Me and Jesus. Mm -hmm. Here's an implication of that. That means I am righteous in God's sight. I'm as righteous as Jesus is in God's sight. Now, if I told you that, that I'm as righteous as Jesus, you'd go, John, I don't know what you're smoking, but Jesus, not you. That's true of myself. But listen to what, listen to what Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians 5.21. By the way, I could have put 10 scriptures here, not just two. 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. When Jesus died on the cross for my sins and yours, there was an exchange. I exchanged all my sin, and Jesus took all that upon himself. He gave me all his righteousness. How many of you all think that's a great deal? Oh, yeah. Colossians 1.22. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he's brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You are. Imagine if you put your name in here. 
Yet now God has reconciled John Schmidt to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought John Schmidt into his own presence, and John is holy and blameless as he stands before God without a single fault. I'm as righteous as Jesus. Rick Warren, who's the pastor of Saddleback Fellowship, he says, I mean, I've never heard anybody else use this illustration, but I think it's so perfect. He says, you need to think of heaven like a movie theater. And out on the marquee, it says, now playing heaven, starring Jesus, co-starring John Schmidt. I love the sound of that. Well, that can't be right. How would John Schmidt get in there? How would you get in there? Because when Jesus died on the cross, he took my sins, I took his righteousness. This is unbelievable. That's how God sees me going into 2020. A co-heir with Jesus. Well, Jesus could do amazing things. Jesus could be led by the Father. The Holy Spirit could empower him to do amazing things. Well, what could God do with somebody like me? Jesus said, you'll do even greater things. I'm a co-heir with Jesus. Not only do I have an inheritance in heaven... I have his righteousness, and I'm covered in that right now. I am righteous in God's sight. Can we say that together, please? I am righteous in God's sight. If you are a child of of God, if you have come to Jesus, all these things are true. One more thing I want to bring out, though, if I'm a co-heir with Christ... I'm being trained in godliness. So I look a little more like Jesus every day. I mean, sometimes we get this strange idea that salvation is about just about going to heaven when you die. Well, that's part of it. But it's also about becoming like Jesus while we live. I mean, if a student is adopted, or a young man or young woman is adopted from a places where they had no health care, no education, all those things. Well, they were brought in because they're loved, but that doesn't mean they're going to, the parents want them to stay that way. They want them to get the best education and the best health care. They want to train them up to have all the opportunities that they could possibly have and develop their gifts and abilities completely. Well, welcome to what God's doing with you and me. I mean, he brings us into his family So we can grow up to be like our big brother, Jesus. Mm. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, conformed to the image of his son, in some other translations, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's why we call each other brother and sister in the church. We're brothers and sisters of Jesus. And God is shaping us, training us, so we grow up to be like him every day. That's why Paul says, hey, if we're going to share in God's glory, then we also have to share in his suffering. Because it's through pain and discipline and hardship that God trains us. Listen to Hebrews chapter 12. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. He punishes each one he accepts as his child As you endure this divine discipline, remember God is treating you as his own children. God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. 
Now, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward, there'll be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. I'm sharing this with you because if we see ourselves clearly, then when hardship and difficulty come this year, we won't give up. I thought you said God loved me and I was dearly loved. Well, you are dearly loved. Well, then why am I facing difficulty? I thought you said God forgave me and yet I'm having trouble. Is he just getting even with me? No. We're going through difficulty and suffering and setbacks sometimes because those are the things that show us the things that need to change in our lives. You know it and I know it. When we have to wait for something, it shows us how impatient we are and we get to surrender our impatience to him. When we go through struggles and we don't know what to do, he's hammering out our ability to lead. We talk about prayer, but we don't really pray until we go through a hard time and then we pray. Anybody else agree with that? Oh yeah, we'll pray then. So God's going to bring hardship and difficulty into my life on purpose this year? Yeah. Even though he loves me, even though he's forgiven me, even though I'm chosen, I don't need to misinterpret the hardship that he's trying to kick me out or that he's given up on me. Right. Don't, don't get that wrong at all. In fact, he's using those very difficult situations to shape you and grow you up. But I need to see myself this way as God's child. Jesus' little brother, Jesus' little sister, and God is conforming me to the image of my big brother. What if I saw myself that way? Well, then I wouldn't give up when I came up to hard time, came into hard times. I wouldn't grumble and complain against God as much as I do. I gotta see myself this way. So do you. I'm a child of God, and I'm a co-heir with Christ. He's training me to be a little bit more like Jesus every day. This year, right now. Real quickly, two things are going to help me see clearly in 2020 so I don't forget what I've just heard so I can keep the vision clear. Two things will help me. Time each day interacting with my Heavenly Father through Bible study and prayer, Bible reading and prayer. i got to spend time with God every day to keep this clear. If I listen to media, if I listen to friends, listen to myself, ah, I get my head all wrapped around the axle. I get all wound up in my problems and all kinds of distractions. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Lord, I'm coming. I want to be with you. It is so important we understand this. But not only do we need time each day with our Heavenly Father, we need time each week interacting with our brothers and sisters. Remember, Jesus is the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. This is why we gather for worship. It's why we gather in small groups. We need other brothers and sisters to remind us, hey, you're not defined by your past. Hey, you're not defined by what other people think of you. Hey, you're not defined by your achievements or by your possessions or by your appearance. You're a child of God. I mean, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm a brother. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. This is who you are. You're a child of God and you're a co-heir with Jesus. All that other junk, those are lies of the devil and misunderstandings of our culture. And if you define yourself that way, this is going to be a hard, painful, awful year. But if you define yourself for who you really are in Christ Jesus, it's going to be the best year you've ever had. 
Hebrews 10. Let's think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now the day of his return is drawing near. Will you please make a commitment to come to worship this year? We'll help you find a small group too. If you come here, I will do my very best every single Sunday to encourage you as your brother in Christ. I will. God's word is so true. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Oh, can I tell you how important this is? It's funny, that guy I went and met with, we talked and I went basically through this outline with him. <clears throat> he goes, wow, you're really loud. <laughs> I go, yeah, you got to hear me with a microphone on. And he got this whole thing one-on-one. -on -one. Do you understand how good this is? And he goes, oh, this is what I want. And when I left, he wasn't afraid of dying anymore. I don't have to earn my way into heaven. I can't do it anyway. I'm not defined by my past. I'm defined by my father. My sins are forgiven and I am righteous as I stand in the presence of God and I can boldly walk into God's presence trusting that he loves me. And even when I go through hard times this year, it just means that God is disciplining me and shaping me so I can be more like Jesus. It doesn't mean he gave up on me. You got to understand this. I got to understand this. Oh, we got to do this. We got to get this right. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. And I thank you for what he did for us on the cross. I thank you for the Holy Spirit who empowers us and gives us new life. I thank you that you love us and you will never forsake us and you will never cast us out. God, forgive me for the times that I have allowed myself to be defined by all the failures of the past. God, forgive me for the times when I have valued myself completely based on my appearance. Forgive me for the times, Lord, I have foolishly gotten my self-worth from what other people think of me, and then I've tried to please everybody and I haven't pleased anyone. God, I thank you that you love me. You've given me new life and I am righteous in your sight because Jesus' righteousness has been applied to my account. God, I pray that I will not grumble and complain or be fearful and afraid when I go through hard times this year. You are using difficulties to shape me and make me exactly like my big brother, Jesus. Help me to cooperate with you instead of being filled with self-pity all the time. Give me a hunger and a thirst for your word and time with you every day. Bless the times I have together with worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ and help me develop meaningful relationships so I don't get all messed up again this year. I want to do the right thing. I want to trust you. Thank you for adopting me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me righteous. And thank you for turning me into a new creation. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen.